You're listening to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you from St. Bart in the French West Indies. We talk jiu-jitsu, traveling, and people who do things a bit different in life. I am your host, Christian Graugard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the BJJ Globetrotters Pirate Radio Podcast. This is the coronavirus special quarantine podcast, quarantine edition. Um, as you may or may not know, there is a bit of a lockdown around the world. So right now, nobody can train jujitsu, and uh, we pretty much cannot do anything. Uh, here where I live, it's um, French territory. We're in full lockdown, so we're not even allowed to leave the house. Um, except for uh, except for uh, exercise so we're allowed to take a walk near the house um, for short exercise which is what I'm doing right now and I thought I would use that opportunity to record a few podcast episodes um, talk to a few people that I've wanted, been wanting to talk to for a while um, this let me be honest there's not much to do in the jiu-jitsu travel agent business right now so um, while we're waiting for the world to stop burning, I thought I might as well uh, record, uh, record a few uh, podcast episodes. So here I am walking outside of my house. I am planning to walk down on the beach and uh, call my friend Ben to talk about a recent episode, which you may or may not have heard about, um, where the IBJJF suspended BJJ Globetrotters from their uh, competitions or affiliations. Um, so this is something I thought I would talk with Ben about because he always has a lot of things to say about stuff like this. And I apologize about the traffic and the wind and the waves as I get to the beach in a minute. Um, there might also be some rain coming, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, right, so I'm going to try to call Ben on Skype and uh, see if we can uh, talk to him for a little bit during my uh, state-sanctioned uh, exercise walk on the beach. All right. How's the sound? Ah, that sounds pretty good. Is there any like wind in the microphone? Uh, there's, it is a little bit windy. <clears throat> okay. Because it's like a storm here, but I, I built this windbreaker for my, uh, for my standard iPhone, uh, headphones. So I pretty much just took some tape and glued everything on it that I could find. I'm sure that's probably better than most people are doing right now. So right. Um, all right. So uh, we're doing this interview during my my state-sanctioned exercise, where I'm allowed to walk on the beach near my house. Um, just to set the scene, it's uh, really windy. There's a huge rain cloud, and uh, the waves are big. And I'm completely alone on the beach, except for maybe a 100-year-old naked man and Paul McCartney. So it's just <laughs> us for the podcast, and then you, Ben, of course. Oh, nice! I feel honored. I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how Paul McCartney got caught on the island in the lockdown, but he's here on the beach with the naked old man. <laughs> so <laughs> that is what it is. All right. Um. So um. We just did a brief. Do you have that list of of talking points I sent you? I, I do. Yeah. Because I don't want to take my phone out of the pocket right now. Um. So maybe you could just like just take that list of random talking points. Just pick a random one. And uh, we'll talk about it. I thought we'd talk about the IBJJF thing and uh, uh, affiliations in general. Maybe like 
hierarchy, belts, all that stuff. I'm sure you can keep talking about that for, for longer than the police will allow me to walk here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, have a, I, need, I need a printed certificate in my pocket to go out the house, so I have that ready in case they stop me. Yeah, we're doing the exact opposite here. We're, we're not on that much of a lockdown, but we're doing a bunch of construction at my gym right now. Now that it has to be closed, uh, I'm just kind of, you know, trying to use this time wisely to set up things for the future. Um, that, makes, but, that makes good sense. But yes, yeah, so um, let's go with it's necessary to be under the guidance of a black belt instructor to learn jujitsu. Right. Do you want to start or should I? Uh, well, I can. I, I guess I can start and then we can just converse back and forth about it. Let's see. Go ahead. So I guess... Uh, I, I guess there's there's really two funny things about that to me. One is um, that that is the IBJJF's position, although not officially, because you don't have to be under a black belt instructor. You have to be under someone who's under a black belt instructor. Uh, right. So that's even even more removed. Uh, we can come back to that if you want. But but the other thing is that it's this interesting idea, uh, which is actually one of your talking points later too, which is that jujitsu never. It, it didn't, you know, it didn't originate from some like magic tablets handed down. It started from people <laughs> training together and trying, trying different things, right? Like, oh, this works or that works. And then through the, the, the bullshit filter kind of, of, of live grappling and live training, they developed a successful system. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure in the one year that the, the two Gracie brothers trained, uh, judo under Masuyo Meta that they didn't get their Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, seeing as how it wasn't a thing. So right. They trained each other. They trained their cousins. They trained their, enti- their entire extended family. And then they just grappled and trained with each other. And as the art spread and as more people did it, you have kind of unique innovation similar to, to you know, um, evolution. You know, we, we, we get like these 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 moments of pure innovation. And the more people that are doing something, the more unique innovation we have and the more di- the more different ways we end up having uh, advancements in the sport. And with globalization, you see that now. Um, but, but this idea that you have to be under somebody that's certified under somebody else to be a black belt instructor, um, at its face is, is maybe a little ridiculous, you know, cause th- there's a lot of people that come from other styles that come from other things that haven't gone through the certification process in jujitsu that, that are knowledgeable or have unique viewpoints that are still relevant to the art. And, and I think that that's really, um, an important thing. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I can just add in my own story is that um, I never had an instructor since uh, since the, pretty much the day I started training and still don't really have an instructor. I absolutely do, do not have an instructor. Um, I uh, We just started headlocking each other and that was pretty fun. So we got some VHS tapes on the internet and then we uh, kind of figured things out through trial and error and we set up a lot of competitions and kind of just competed our way through like learning jiu-jitsu. And, um, I say when we started out, there were definitely there were a few like black belts who moved to Denmark where where I started out. Um, but I think at that point we'd already kind of created our own little group and our own little atmosphere of how we like training. And I didn't feel like it would be compatible with with the way I saw that others were running their the, the academies. Not that there was anything wrong with it. It was just not like my style. You know, we were we were very relaxed about training, um, and uh, and maybe they were they were not but i don't feel like we we're like compatible like in terms of atmosphere so so I, I i could have probably signed up with these people and learned jiu-jitsu much faster 
Um, but we just made a decision to do it ourselves. So instead of signing up with the Black Belts, I, as a Blue Belt, um, opened an academy in Copenhagen and competed with the Black Belts uh, and their businesses. So And that uh, obviously worked out pretty well. You know. um, I got promoted by friends along the way, you know, but um, never had like a formal instructor-student relationship with anyone, um, which I am... Um, I, 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 maybe if I had one that I would have enjoyed, that would, wouldn't have been bad. But I'm, I'm kind of happy that I did, did it this way. And I, I was inspired by, uh, by a lot of different people. And most of all, by my, my students and my training partners. Like, the daily training was my instructor, always. And it still is. You know, and competition for like, even more. So. so I say for myself, I managed to train for 20 years without an, an instructor. And uh, it's been pretty good. I could definitely have been maybe twice as good at this point. But... Does it really matter? There's always someone who's better than you, right? Yeah, and I think it can definitely help to have somebody that's kind of done things before and went through the learning process show oh, yeah, you some of those things. And, and, and it's helpful to aggregate knowledge. But but in a lot of circumstances now, with like what you guys have going with the, with the camps and people getting together to train, uh, a lot of that share of information is possible without the traditional hierarchy that we see in jiu-jitsu. And right. so I think a lot of it really, really comes down to, um, like in my post I made a while back about the bootleggers and Baptists, it, it comes down to maybe there's two overarching ideas, I think, on why they push for this. And, and one is that they try to say, well, if you're trained underneath the black belt, then we uh, can, you know, verify that it's safe or good instruction or proper lineage right. or whatever, whatever terminology. But, but the problem with that is that we know that's not true. None of these black belts have, have shown up to the IBJJF headquarters and taught classes and like they're they're verifying, oh, you're a good instructor, you're a good person, you're not a toxic leader. Uh, that, that's just not happening. I mean, no, they, you you could yeah, you you could go online and see a, a litany of stories of of people that have talked about, oh, well, uh, my my black belt professor that's registered through the IBJJF was an awful person or awful coach. Uh, that's that's not insulating us from that. And so it's probably actually the second thing, I think, which is that they use that as a marketing thing. If they can say you need to learn from a black belt instructor and they control who the black belts are, well, then they control jiu-jitsu, right? Right. I mean, it's definitely not a bad thing to learn to have like an experienced instructor. I see that myself now with the experience that I have when I'm teaching my, my students in this little club we have, that they learn much faster than I did. But uh I mean, so, but it's, it, it, they could probably do what I've done with, uh, in, in, with, without me being here, but uh, it would take longer. But I'd say it's not like, yeah, you, you get the best document. All right, let's, we'll just jump back and forth a little bit in, in all the random things I wrote down. So let's get another okay. one. Um, let's see. Uh, well, we already talked about Resident Jiu-Jitsu was founded on self-promotion. Um, <laughs> we actually didn't mention it, but it's kind of a fun addition to your story about their cousins in Brazil who just started training and then one day promoted themselves to black belts. Yeah, and then one day to red belt, right? Right. Like, <laughs> well, unfortunately, more like, people were looking when they did the red belt thing, and then it became like a drama <laughs> thing online because people were looking. But you, you got to remember that somebody start, started this thing by promoting themselves, which is the worst thing you can possibly do in jiu-jitsu, apparently, according to Reddit and stuff, which obviously... You shouldn't do that. I'm not saying you should, but but it's just funny that well, that's exactly how it started. Well, the intense irony to me is that what what I see online, and then this is this is anecdotal, obviously. I mean, I don't have any like data on this, but a lot of people are saying, well, like like going back to the belt checker topic. Well, the problem I have is this is only social verification, but but then they'll say, well, if you grappled with me, you would know what belt I am. 
but you need somebody else to verify that you're actually a black belt. And it's this weird circular argument where it's like, well, but, but if everybody else grappled with you and thought you were really good, if you were a black belt, why would you need an IBJJF certified black belt to tell you that? Right. Why, why would it have to be that way? And and not even, not even a, a certified black belt. I think this is an, this is really an, an interesting thing because now we're really jumping in the, in the subject, but let's, let's, let's do that for once. Um, the whole thing about for someone to promote you, there must be a relationship, right? I mean, you can beat every black belt in the world, but if you don't have a relationship, and I'm usually talking about business, uh, with someone else, they will not promote you to black belt, right? I mean, that's how it works, right? Right, right, exactly. And um, that's kind of interesting. So, so what is a belt promotion, really? You can argue that you promote someone, you kind of put your stamp on them. Like you say, okay, this guy is now mine. You know, he's my purple belt. So when he wins, my name is on it. There's there's some kind of some part of that. But but let's let's take the entire kind of relationship out of it and then just say, let's say there's a person who never was in jiu-jitsu ever. He managed to sign up for in the black belt division and he wins the world championship. All right, maybe not the world championship, but he wins like ten kind of major major uh competitions but nobody will promote him or say this guy is a black belt unless you you have to give something back right there has to be some kind of trade i promote you if you represent me or i promote you if you sign up for my affiliation right i mean there's always something so i guess i'll throw the ball to you on that one what do you think about this so one of my old training partners actually um i started teaching at his mma school when i was a purple belt and i first moved to colorado uh, his name's Keith Wilson. He went to uh, decision in a jiu-jitsu tournament versus Cobrinha. Uh, and I think he lost by two points. So that's that's a phenomenal outing. Now, here's some context. This person never trained jiu-jitsu. They were an Olympic-level wrestler in the United States. And, and they trained both freestyle and Greco. Uh, though predominantly Greco. And then they had done MMA practice with a bunch of MMA fighters that would like bring him in to, to train for fighting. But grappling this guy, he was legitimately high-level black belt jiu-jitsu. However, he had no belt. Nobody would promote him. He, right. he owned his own MMA school, so why would anybody ever promote him when he's already doing his own thing? And he didn't care enough to pay somebody else for an affiliation every month. So there he sat as a white belt. But but right. the guy literally went to went went to, you know lost by like two points to Cobrinha in a jiu jitsu tournament, which right. is is phenomenal. Mm. So, yeah, and it, it speaks to your point. You know, you see all sorts of people like that. Sorry about that. I said I, I think it really speaks to your point. You you see a lot of people like that that because they don't have those business relationships, they're held back. And so then the question becomes like like you you said you know is what really is the driving force of a lot of these. Um, affiliations, the driving force behind a lot of these promotions, and and, and it is skill. I mean, I'm not saying that people are just promoting people based on money, and I don't think you're saying that either. But but no, there no, is that component not. to it, right? Yeah, definitely. So, I so think it's one of those things where it's, where it's like the intersection of like you have to be put the time in, you have to become good. Oh, but then also you have to be paying here. We have to have some sort of you know reciprocity, a transactional relationship, and that's right. Exactly. Maybe an issue. And I I think the trade comes down to social recognition which is, is pretty much the product that affiliation sells, right? Because 
what you can do, I mean, humans, the, the one thing that humans want the most is social recognition. That's what we will do anything to get, right? That's, that's how you, you, you miss, you will, you will miss your, your kids growing up so, so you can make enough money to get the right car or live in the right neighborhood or buy the right clothes or all that stuff, right? I mean, that's the one thing that people will do anything to get is social recognition. And, um, and Jiu-Jitsu is, is a great vehicle for that because you kind of just sign up and then you're part of this this kind of this community where you can put in real hard work, like a proper effort, and you can gain social recognition. And it's really the social recognition is very like visual in jujitsu because one, you have the belts. I, I think this is why this is why the hierarchy is relaxing for humans because you can walk into a room and you can immediately see who belongs where in this hierarchy because we have indicators, right? It's like. Is like the I don't know I've never been in the military but I guess it's kind of the same thing. But you can immediately see who belongs where, who is supposed to be better than others. That's kind of relaxing. That's 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 nice, and um, and that's really the, the that's really what you can you can sell today in Jiu-Jitsu because selling technique doesn't really exist anymore. Because maybe 20 years ago when there was no one to train with, or 30 years ago you had to go to Brazil somewhere in the jungle to learn the techniques from someone, and he would say, okay, I teach you this, but you. Should, you can only get it here, so you better pay for it somehow or sign up in my name or whatever. But that doesn't really exist today because it's so accessible. I mean, you can you can pay your way to learn everything that John Danaher knows, right? I mean, you just buy all these DVDs. There, you you've seen the ads. They're everywhere, right? And, um, right. and so I think the product that's left in in jujitsu today is selling social recognition, and, and this works in in the hierarchy through like affiliations because that's that's really the product that's left is that 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 people can sign up for this and then they can, if they put in an effort, then someone will promote them and everyone else in this community will see, ah, this guy is just one up in like, uh, in, in the monkey hierarchy, the hierarchy of monkeys here. And, and it's so visual. We got belts, belt promotions. Every time someone gets promoted, you got to tell everyone, you got to post it on social media. Literally almost every single person who trains jiu-jitsu has a jiu-jitsu picture as their social media profile picture, right? It's kind of weird if, you don't, if they don't. And, um, competitions are all about this like imagine a competition like with the same with the level of competitors as the bigger competitions and like everything is run super professionally like super smooth everything is super nicely organized but there are no podiums no medals and no pictures of the winners no no like podium pictures and nobody raised your arm to show who won like take that element out and i don't believe anyone will sign up for that I, I agree, and, and even more speaking to that point uh, on the the Reddit conversations that were going on a little bit ago, one of the things people were really upset about was was that somebody might get promoted. This is almost an exact quote from one of the posts: was that somebody was worried that somebody would uh, a blue belt would get promoted too early to purple belt, but but not really be a purple belt, be able to compete and beat them and make them look worse. <laughs> Which that's really strange. That's a really strange that, that like is, phenomenon. It's, that this thought exists in someone's mind right and it's like well you know it's not my actual ability i'm proud of it's my belt and if other people and you know th this actually goes back to why a lot of schools don't allow white belts to come in and and uh grapple live with people outside of white belts at all or or whatever right. for like maybe six months or a year because if if some really good wrestler shows up and in the first two weeks of practice is rolling up all your blue belts then you you have the problem that then they're like you know people don't look at it like oh well that guy's wrestled for a long time they go well i have a blue belt he's a white belt i should be able to win 
and and then it devalues the belt to them and they lose that that social value right it, it so, kind of, it kind so of breaks, instead they the, breaks the illusion of the hurricane right? right exactly so instead they keep you separate until that person's bought in and around then they should be getting a blue belt too and then now when you lose to that person you have an excuse well they're a wrestler and they've been training a long time a year under my coach and so it's not that i'm not getting better it's not that my blue belt's not worth anything now you know then now there's mitigating things that they can they can go on about but i think a lot of that to your point though is that that's how we choose to sell it. It's not necessarily required. And, and on, on top on top of that, um, jujitsu right now I think is spreading like the you know to use a, maybe a different analogy, but like is is spreading like the Bloods and Crips, where we're like rival gangs in the city and we're fighting each other over the same limited resources, students, right. and, and that's where that's what we're trying to you know. Well, that guy's not from Brazil, or this lineage is better than this lineage, so train with me instead of him. But we're not actually selling our product. And, and so when, when people come into my gym, for example, we have a lot of our belts and medals, a lot of our students put them up on the wall. And that's something that for us, it, it's not necessarily an advertising thing for us. We say, well, well, um, you know, whenever you win, try to find how other people helped you win. And whenever you lose, try to find things that you did that caused you to lose, because I think it's easy to do the opposite. And so yeah. one of the things we do as a way of like giving back to the team is we hang our medals up on the wall to show a, that that was us in the past and we're looking to get better and we're not holding on to that idea and B to kind of get back to the team a little bit and, and, and share that, that idea, you know, the glory, I guess, you know? Um, so people come in and they'll ask me, they're like, Oh, are these all your medals? And one of the first things I'll, I'll say to them is like, like jokingly, I'll be like, Oh yeah, they are. And then I'll see their reaction and then I'll say, actually they're not. And that shouldn't be what impresses you. It, the fact that they're not my medals and these are my students' medals is what you should be looking for. Right. Because yeah, yeah. it's not me. It's not me. It's not who my instructor was. These things are irrelevant to you as a consumer. What you should be buying is what I'm going to do for you and your life and your goals, not what I'm doing. And that maybe that comes down to the uh, a little talk about the lineage thing, which people are obsessed with. Oh, my God. Bring it up. Say something about lineage. I'm sure you have something great to say. Obsession about lineage. Well, well, actually, so I'll, I'll kind of combine two of the topics you have on here. This affiliation business um, and lineages and why those don't really exist in MMA or Muay Thai. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That, that's a great – that's always a great talk. Why does that not exist? MMA is kind of the same sport, right? Just punching. But right, same. right. But, well, but, well, think... but affiliation business does not exist in MMA. Maybe yeah, not but on the same started, scale. Right. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Not on the same scale. Like, like, uh, what is it? Bang Muay Thai now has a bunch of schools and people that, that subscribe to their training system. And now that's a big thing. Um, uh, what is it? The Jackson Winklejohn is starting to affiliate, but, but yeah, not nearly to the same scale. And and I think a lot of it has to do with the, the foundation, right? So, so it used to be like in jujitsu when it came to the United States, at least, um, it was like, oh, well, th this is straight from the source we're the fountain of knowledge and it spread from there. And so people can trace their roots back. But in MMA, people go, well, yeah, you might be really good at jiu-jitsu, but we also need a wrestling coach. And that guy's not bought into your lineage, and he brings a lot of value. Or we need a Muay Thai coach, and he's not bought into your lineage, but he brings a lot of value. And so instead of looking at lineage, we look at value brought to the athlete. Because in MMA, the only social value is winning. Yeah. You know, the only, the only belts are title belts. So yeah. <laughs> you, you have to go out and win. And so to them, it's like, what are you actually doing for me as an athlete? Not what are you saying? Uh, and so you start to see this push away from lineage, I think, in, in, in most MMA atmospheres, because because the lineage isn't actually bringing value. Well, yeah, as But, you say, there's, there's, there's also the thing that 
there is no hierarchy of social recognition in, like, let's say MMA and Muay Thai, uh, because there are no belts. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, unless yep. they start to in invent like kickboxing belts or something like that, right? So there's oh, no do. product. Yeah, they, I know, I know. <laughs> but there's really <laughs> that product doesn't really exist in MMA, even though it's kind of the same sport, right? If there were if right. there were belts in MMA, there would definitely be affiliations that verified MMA belts and say you're a real MMA instructor, so you can do this and this. And then we get back to the kind of weird thing where people get, let's say, like street fighting belts, you know, like self defense belts. I'm a black belt in some self defense art only for the street. But how the fuck do you even measure that? Because nobody, it's not like they had a hundred street fights and then then you get the belt. You know, it's like it's kind of weird right. to get. It's kind of weird to get to have a, a grade in a skill that you never try. <laughs> All right. Well, and then and then continuing that idea, how many people show up for MMA practice that never plan on fighting? It's very few, at, at least in my experience. But that's also but, why why belts in jiu-jitsu are kind of weird if you don't compete. Right. That's, that's a little bit the same thing. Yeah, kind of. but isn't it also, it, it, it is, but what I've noticed is, and, and this is, I'm not going to call out specific affiliations specifically that I know do this, but a lot of gyms actually will hold back how quick they promote their competitors because they know those people have to go represent the gym in tournaments and you'll see those people get promoted really slow so that they win all the time. Right. And then alternatively for their non-competitors, they promote them really quick. And the reason why they promote them really quick a lot of times is because when you walk into a class, going back to your social proof and social value ideas, when you walk into a class as a new person and there's a bunch of higher belt people that are, you know, training with you, you, you think, oh, well, I came to this gym and there's 50 black belts, but I went to this other gym down the road and there's five black belts. This one must be, right. you know, some order of magnitude greater of a gym. But, mm -hmm. but in reality, it's, it's an unfair comparison because you don't know the standards ever set to promote people. So if they're not going to compete and get rolled up and look bad, then, then there's no, there's actually a huge incentive to promote them because as you promote them, they, they are less likely to switch gyms. They're less likely to quit. It adds more value to your gym because now they can teach classes and not look bad, you know, being a blue belt teaching classes or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so you, it, it's actually the incentive structure at most gyms is to rapidly promote non-competitors, but hold back your really good people that compete all the time because those people actually go out and see if their stuff works. And so if you're being promoted faster than the competitors in the gym, that should be a, a huge red flag that something is amiss with your system, but, but it's just not. Yeah. All right. Let's get, let's get back to, uh, hierarchies and relationships. I think that's, that's always interesting um, what do we have on the list? Uh, so for under hierarchies, it says risk, health, black belt, say, come train. All right. Okay. I would say this, this one thing here, which is it, I, I'm not saying hierarchies are a bad thing. Like, like in terms of like a belt hierarchy or something like that, you know, in jiu-jitsu it's very obvious what the hierarchy is. Even, even when you stop training or you don't get better, you still get promoted. So you stay on top of the hierarchy, right? The black belt degrees. Um, but I think this 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 one. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It, I think it's 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 human to want to be part of that and kind of climb the hierarchy and know and and it's it's kind of comfort comforting to know exactly where you are in the in the in the pack of monkeys, right? In the gorilla uh, right. group. That's that's very comforting. Like even oh, I'm a blue belt two stripe. I know I kind of suck, but it feels good. You know, I'm on my way and and I'm almost there. And I can I can kind of reach for the purple belt. You know, it's it's kind of weird, but in reality, like you could. It's that that doesn't make you better or worse at jiu-jitsu. Um, but what I see is sometimes this can this can also be very unhealthy, 
you know, and there's many, many like kind of stories or examples about this, but, but sometimes I see that even, you know, a classic is that someone tells you as an adult what you can do and what you cannot do. Like you cannot train here, you, you, can, uh, you can train here, but you cannot train there, you can do this or do that. Um, when you go traveling, you cannot train with some people there because they're not part of my affiliation, uh, blah, blah, blah. You cannot ask black belts to roll, which is obviously the, the stupidest fucking rule ever in jiu-jitsu. Um, so I think sometimes that the hierarchy can, can keep people in bad relationships because they want that, that social recognition so much. And, and like, I see this sometimes where I'm really like, oh, people are like, oh, I, this guy is such an idiot, you know, and I have to fly, I don't know, fly all the way to somewhere, maybe Brazil or maybe not. Um, uh, to train with them and, and they're like really abusive and racist and not really nice or whatever but I, I, I'm i just going to do that until I get my black belt and then I'm going to leave right <laughs> I, I mean you're laughing because that's you must have heard this before like people stay in really unhealthy relationships because there's this this kind of uh, dynamic of one part wanting something from the other so much that they will kind of see through fingers or something right I mean even I see now, I think I wrote virus on this thing because training right now is, is kind of stupid, right? I am in the middle of a pan, global pandemic. That's a really bad idea. And, and, uh, and I see some people say like, ah, we'll still train, just come in. And then they, and then they are like, oh yeah, respect your professor and do what he says and blah, blah, blah. But I think in private, they would say, what the fuck is this guy doing? Okay, we better come train when professor says we're going to train because you know, there's this relationship and they want something so much from this person that maybe they're not thinking too much for, for themselves. Right? People say I'm a call leader, so uh, I, I, maybe I know, I know a thing or two about these things. So, Yeah, and, and I, I think that word you use, cult, is a, is a really good example, right? Like we, we tend to look at people that, that are like social leaders or influencers. I mean, there's a reason why people are literally social influencers on social media. And, and, you know, once they become, uh, like recognizable, people look to them for directions and a lot of stuff. So, mm -hmm. so people come in and they see that you're the one teaching class all the time in jujitsu and that's great. But then when you start giving advice, that's really outside your area of expertise, like, like for me, I'm an economist and like a mathematician, right? So, so that's, that's fine. If I wanted to talk to you about economics or math, like maybe that would be okay. But if I was giving you, I don't know, some, some advice well outside of that realm and not with some very serious caveats, that would probably not be a good idea. But but you see that all the time at jiu-jitsu schools where right. where just because somebody has a black belt in jiu-jitsu, well, now their opinion is valuable in all things. And they are the leader of the group in everything you guys do. And if yep. their opinion isn't taken into account for whatever you do, then you're ostracized from that group for disagreeing. Right. And, it's, and it's, that's... It, what was the... I'm not sure if this was like a t-shirt or something or or at least, at least someone said it like... Uh, a black belt instructor I know, which I'm not going to name, but I know he said uh, he was a black belt in jiu-jitsu and black belt in life. Black belt in jiu-jitsu oh. means that you're a black belt in life. So that so they should the students should always follow his advice on and off the mats. That's unhealthy. Yeah. That's that's dangerous. Huh. Right? Then it becomes really dangerous. That is, that is really dangerous. And like I get it if if you know like a lot of your advice is, you know, like for me if my students said, oh well. You know, like I'm thinking about training at this gym while I'm on vacation. I'd say, good. I mean, if that's what you want to do, then then do those kind of things. Like think through stuff and like what kind of value you're going to get out of it. But that's that's like maybe the economist in me talking about how we, we view those kind of things. Um, but I would never like limit my uh, my my students from doing something they wanted to do solely because I happened to be a gym they walked into and signed up at. Right. Uh, 
you know, somewhat Just arbitrarily because. What were you going to say? No, nothing. Sorry. Oh, so a while back, I wrote this this blog post uh, for one of my websites about is is my. Are you there? I'm here. That's weird. Okay, let's try again. I'm going I'm to walk yes. a little bit on the beach. Okay. Bring it. Yeah, so a while back I wrote this blog post about about is my gym really the best? And and I ended up writing this because one of the one of the things I noticed was I would go on these websites and people would say, Hey, where should I train in I don't know, Southern California? And you would see people that were white belts at whatever gym they trained at, and they would go on there and they'd be like, Oh, unquestionably the best gym in all of Southern California is Bob's gym on this on this road. <laughs> right. But the thing is is like well, not to be mean, but what the fuck do you know? Like you didn't ask the person what kind of training they want, what they're looking to get, what their price range is, how far they're willing to drive. You have literally no idea what they're looking for. And you're just arbitrarily listing your gym because that happened to be the first one you walked into. And they conned you into signing up right then for a year long membership you can't get out of. And so now it must be the best gym. And, and it's the same idea if I bought an iPhone, let's say. And then I see somebody with an Android and I feel the need to tell them they have an inferior phone because it makes me feel better about my purchase. And and it becomes this weird thing of like, well, I chose this gym. It's the best. And it's because my instructor told me it's the best. We come from the best lineage. Oh, and by the way, I have to eat the Gracie diet and and milk watermelons for all my, (laughs) you know, a good example. Just, we we just talked about when you black belt in jiu-jitsu, then you give advice like the crazy diet. What the fuck? <laughs> Literally <laughs> not. <laughs> Absolutely bullshit. All right, let's get back to what you were saying. Sorry. Oh, but but that that's just kind of the thing, right? And it's like it's like it's just sad that a lot of people. Sorry, you're falling out. Yeah, they, they they've trained very few places, and they end up just stuck on this. This thing that, huh? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, and then they just end up stuck on this thing that that person who they just randomly met at some point in their life is like this this fountain of knowledge and, and whatever. But but it does end up with a very unhealthy relationship because now, you know, it's it's and it's not necessarily unhealthy. I mean, it's good to have people to go to for mm-hmm, advice mm-hmm. or friends oh, yeah. or people to talk, and that's great. I just I just walked okay. off the beach onto the road and. I hope the police is not patrolling <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right, if I get stopped by the police, we'll see. I'll, I'll just say okay. I don't speak French. I don't speak French. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, and, 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 and it's also funny because that's exactly how you get your lineage. That's because you randomly signed up at some place. Right. <laughs> right. But that, that, I think that, that goes back to what you're saying exactly about you have that phone and you feel the urge to kind of tell someone that this is better because that makes you feel better about your decision and like and your lineage is literally just where you randomly signed up in the beginning they say oh okay cool so i can actually trace myself back to the source here to the first to the first people to self-promote in this in this sport this activity and that makes them feel much better about like what they're doing connection to the connection to helio or whatever whoever it is Right. Yeah. Some, some, you know, seven degrees of Elio Gracie stuff. Um, and, and, and it's weird too, because, because like 
to go into the, the the cultish or even maybe like paramilitary views that some of these people have. So you show up and then you got to pay all this money for uh, a gi and for the training equipment that you have to wear. And they'll say, oh, it's because we want everybody to look the same. But the reality of the situation is it's because then you're giving them more money. And, right. and if they let you buy whatever you wanted, you probably wouldn't buy their crappy stuff. Yep. So, cause, cause if their gear was really the best gear and if you really wanted to support your gym, you would buy their stuff, right. but, but they know that's not true because if, if they make you buy their stuff and they sell you crappy, you know, the cheapest gi they can buy on the internet with their patches on it for $200, then in one year when your gi is falling apart, you have to buy a new one and they can make this markup on you constantly. And so You'll, you'll, you'll see that they, they instead try to sell it to you as like, oh, well, you know, you got to support the Red Shield and, and cover your mm. knee and all of our patches and everything else. And then to go back to your previous point, you go on social media to post about your promotion or your training because you have to. Right. If your friends yeah. don't feel bad that they're not training jujitsu, you're not doing your job as a white belt. So you get promoted and you tell everybody. And, and guess what? In all of your pictures, you look like a NASCAR racer advertising for whatever gym <laughs> you train at. You know? <laughs> Well, I mean, this is also building like uh, building a tribe culture, you know, like that's that's also a product to sell that, that makes human feel comfortable that they're part of part of something. You know? That's what we all yeah, create you... in some way. It could be religion or fucking football team or whatever. But it's this this makes people feel comfortable. It makes them feel safe and and held in the arms of, I don't know, the mother of Jesus or something. And And from a marketing perspective, I have to appreciate specifically with like Gracie Baja, you know, if you own 10 Gracie Baja geese and rash guards and you switch cities, you don't want to go to another gym because if you do, you might not be able to wear all the crap. Right. Oh, it's a pretty impressive so that, business, that, business model. Yeah. Business. Yeah. Business model. Exactly. Not, <laughs> you know, it, it has nothing to do with promoting like a safe environment or great instruction. It has to do with retaining numbers. Right. All right, let's grab another thing on the list. Random, something random. I, I'm, I'm uh, way, way past. I'm way past my state-sanctioned exercise time, but I'll keep walking until they, they come and and put me to jail or something. BJJ Globetrotters are not serious about jujitsu. <laughs> right. I hear that a lot. What do you think? You've been to the camp. Maybe because I'm not like a serious person. You know, I and and maybe people will see me as kind of the face of drug charters or whatever, but I'm never really serious about anything. Maybe personal well, hygiene, maybe maybe personal hygiene during pandemics in the supermarket. Pretty serious about yeah. that. Fucking people sneezing in their hands. My God, T well, touching all the avocados. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> during a fucking pandemic. Come on. Okay. Okay. Let's get back to that. <laughs> Well, and, and to your, your, your point about you not being super serious about anything, I don't think that's really true because, you know, like, as you said, you know, you were a blue belt watching VHS tapes back in the day, traveling the globe, trying to learn jujitsu, trying to get better, trying to improve mm -hmm. yourself. So, so a lot of times it's like, well, what do people think being serious is, you know, like I, I've been to a lot of the camps and, and as you know, I don't, I don't drink, I, I'm not big into partying or anything like that. And I still get a lot of value at the camps more so than I do at almost anywhere else. So, so it's not like some people do go out and they'll drink at night. Like, uh, like when we were at the, the camp in Heidelberg, you know, some people go out and they, and they drink, but then those same people are training a whole bunch. And it's not like, 
like in, in the day to day, you know, people are being monks about their training, but if it's something where, where you can increase the overall value to somebody, you know, the social value, the, the actual technical value, then they're more likely to train. So hmm. the, the more we can promote training, the more we can promote a positive atmosphere and the less we get, you know, stuck over these things that don't actually make people better at jujitsu and don't actually improve their lives, the, the better product that we're giving to people and the more we're fulfilling their needs. Right. So, so I, I don't think it's not about not being serious. I think it's about providing a product that's multifaceted and it mm. actually gets to the point of getting people to train more because I, I don't know too many affiliations that have like however many camps you guys have a year that attract as many people as you guys do a year from all over the world, almost solely based on social, uh, like word of mouth marketing mm-hmm. people that have gone to camps and love them so much. They bring other people in and, and it speaks volumes to the fact that you are not pushing that, you know, cult mentality of like, you have to be a part of this. You have to follow my rules. In fact, you do quite the opposite. And that, and that level of trust that you give people and, and that invitation to the, to the lowly white belt, you know, that they are in fact a person too, I think is appealing to people and encourages them to train Mm. the opposite of what people think. And this is what builds people that are serious about changing their lives and actually doing something uh, with jujitsu. This is the, the cult of the, you know, GB, let's say. (laughs) Well, I, uh, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I train as much at the camps as my body can handle. Like I go to the limit every single camp. Which is not so much because I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not 36 anymore. You know, I'm, I'm not on on steroids. I don't train like six days a week. So, but it's still like, I, I get a few hours of rolling a day, which is for, for normal people like me, quite a lot. You know? And then I get to talk to a million people in every single camp. So I'll say for me, that's, that's a pretty good experience. Anyway, let's get another talking yeah. point. I was going to say just real quick and out of the people that I've met at camps, you know, there's a bunch that come visit me here in Colorado all, like routinely throughout the year, and it builds those kind of strong relationships that actually build a community. I think that's that's really the opposite of what people think. You know, sometimes having those those different levels of bonding with people at camps is is what makes people actually serious about training, not the other way around. Right. So the only way to have your rank verified is through the IBJJF. Bring it. That's a good hmm. one. That's a good one. Hmm. Let's hear about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they'd want you to think that. Um, well, that's but, the illusion, right? Been, just like just like they're called the federation. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they, they're they're a real federation, and then they try to have individual governing bodies underneath inside the the individual countries, right? Right. I think, but, but in all, fact, it's, it's another it's name. Actually, it's actually illegal to use federation in your business name if you're not a nonprofit federation. Yeah, that that might so be true. Some, someone should look into that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and this is this is one of the, the fundamental things, you know, that that um, what's that called a conflict of interest where right. I talked about this before. If, if you go to the California state, like like uh, the Department of, of uh, oh, what's that called? Anyway, so if you go to the California state's website and you look up the business licenses, uh, one of the things that you'll notice is that the person that signed all of the forms the two people actually that have signed any of the forms for um the ibjjf in california where their headquarters is are all prominent black belts in gb right gracie baja are you calling someone so, right now me no yeah, there's like a someone pushing number buttons 
Maybe yeah, it's my, my pocket. Yeah. Maybe it's my pocket. Oh shit, it's my pocket. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, keep going. Oh, but yeah. So the people that own GB also own the IBJJF. And so even if you were trying to be completely non-biased, that's really not a good start. And then on top of that, you know, on GB's website, they say you can start up affiliation schools through GB. That's solely a blue belt. So you have this weird, I don't know, um, like recursive relationship between one of the largest affiliations. Well, I guess now the largest IBJJF registered affiliation, incidentally, and uh, and the IBJJF. And, and it makes you wonder where kind of the IBJJF roles begin and end and where the Gracie Bajas marketing and affiliation roles begin and end. But it really takes away from this idea that the only way to have your rank verified is through the IBJJF. And that, that's not even with counting the fact that there is literally no check to make sure that the person that's signing your registration forms has ever met you, has ever trained with you, has any relationship with you other than some indirect monetary relationship. Um. Right. It's wild. I, I mean, ha- having competed at the IBJJF from blue belt all the way to black belt, um, it's. I mean, it's almost disgusting. Like, like when I was a blue belt, I used to think, you know, one day I'll be an IBJJF registered black belt, world champion, or something. You know, and like as time went on, and you just start to see the, the, the levels of how corrupt it can be. I mean, even at the tournaments, like you have a point, a point on here on how prof- like them being professionally ran tournaments. I could tell you some awful stories about IBJJF tournaments that I've seen But anyway, I think that in general, the whole like verification of build is kind of a really interesting thing to, to take up because that's something that's that's kind of been 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 taken over, you could say, by this company, this for-profit company. It's to to say that's a legitimate way of, of verifying that you are a certain belt. But they just want company, and then Hicks and Gracie is doing his thing, which is the exact same, like the jujitsu. What what's it called? Something, JJGF something. Literally, all you do is you just like sign up, and what you sign up for is just paying. Like you just sign up to pay fifteen dollars a year or something. The jujitsu global federation. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah, I just I just checked it out, and all it is is literally you pay them to have your name on their website that you are uh, a verified practitioner. That's what you pay, like a subscription, yearly subscription to be a verified practitioner. And then once you're a verified practitioner, you can apply to buy, <laughs> you, can, you can apply to buy a certificate for your belt, which will cost anything from a hundred dollars to I don't know two fifty or something. And and that's that's the business. That's that's their product. That's that's like selling. That's the purest form of selling social recognition. And that's kind of weird. That I think that's a weird thing. Like, uh, that's, that's another company trying to do that. And this is obviously where the belt checker project comes into the picture because, yeah, I don't know, it, it, was, it was my project. I, I, so maybe I'll, I'll let you talk about it a little bit because you've also been kind of involved from the, from the beginning, at least in the thought process. But um, l- let's hear your thoughts about all these, all these things. Private companies verifying uh, social rank versus uh, crowd, crowdfunded verification. Yeah, so so maybe I'll give you a separate example, not from jujitsu. Um, so a while back, there was a guy that 
wrote into one of the wine review companies. And, and basically the way this company works is you send them a copy, you send them pictures of your restaurant, you send this, this, this wine review company copies of your, um, your menu and your wine pairings and all this stuff. And if you pass muster, then they'll, um, they'll, they'll list you as being some like verified, really highly prestigious award-winning restaurant on their, on their wine review or something. And so the guy, he, he reorganized his patio to, to look like a small seated restaurant, like a, a few seat restaurant, he took some pictures of it, um, and then made up a bunch of wines, uh, and then used like some really cheap bottles of wine for some of the other ones, did like ridiculous pairings, sent it in, paid his like two or $300 fee or whatever it was, it's probably more than that, but whatever the fee yeah. was. And then a few days later, he gets a notification back that everything's been approved and that he's good to go. And they'll send him his certificate stating that he mm. that, that he's a part of this really prestigious organization's wine review and, and all kinds of stuff. And and it, and it really comes down to the same idea, right? Like like your your business model is making money, not from the customers who you're supposedly providing information to. It's it's in getting paid to provide advertisements for people. Mm. So, so it's the same with jujitsu. Your black belt is an advertisement that you as a gym owner can use to sell that to other people for this social mm. value. And, mm. and the IBJJF is in the business of paying you or are you paying them so that you can advertise that certification and, and not actually checking the, the belt checker project goes the opposite way. It goes the way of like Google and Yelp and it says, or, or Amazon, actually Amazon's a really good example. Amazon's entire value comes from the fact that you believe you can trust in the products that they're selling and that other people have tried them and they have reviews. And this leads to what they call an, you know, an economics, like a loss of information asymmetry. So, so the people that are promoting that this product is really good and telling you all this like marketing copy, they, they can't lie when other people have actually used their product and actually mm -hmm. have been involved in it. So with belt checker, it's not, it's not you benefiting if somebody, if you lie for somebody, cause you can't. Sorry, I also want to really quick, just for the listeners, explain what bell checker is, which is uh, with oh. not my words. Uh, yeah, so, so I mean, I, I think like in, in the way that most people would understand, bell checker is a way of aggregating um, basically practitioners, you know, the community's view on on different people's belts or, or um, whatever, and and then verifying the the belt levels of people through this social metric. So you have somebody come on and they say, Hey, this is my profile. You know, this is my, uh, this is when I start training a white belt. This is me, a blue belt, purple belt, brown belt, black belt, whatever, whatever they've gotten up to. This is who promoted me. Here's all the pictures. Here's all this stuff. And then through the network of people you've met through jujitsu, they get different weighted votes to kind of verify you depending on what their, their verification verified belt is. And then they're, you know, after you receive a certain amount of kind of social recognition, then your belt is also verified. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense to me because I build it. But <laughs> sometimes yeah, exactly. I need someone else to, to kind of explain it, not from my brain. You know? Yeah, and, and I think like I was saying, like, like to me, one of the best comparisons is looking at, you know, like Amazon reviews for a product. I mean, obviously, mm. whoever makes the product is going to say whatever crazy stuff about the product to try to get you to buy it. And you don't know, as, as, as some random person going from gym to gym or, or trying out new gyms or moving to a new area – you don't know what to believe. You, you don't know if you can believe somebody's website. You don't know if you can, I mean, as we talked about, you don't know if you can believe the IBJJF or their lineage or any of these things right. because there's some sort of hidden exchange between, between these parties in the background. But on belt checker, the only way I could get, 
you know, like for me, maybe I have, I don't know, 50 votes from other black belts right now. The only way I could get those other people to verify me, I don't, I don't pay these people. I, I don't even pay for my membership on there. Instead, it's through providing actual value to other people, training with them, having them see that, having them think that, that training with me or, or whatever is worthwhile enough for them to go on there and verify. So the only way I could rig the system is is by providing enough actual value to other people that they choose to go on there on their own and get back to the social recognition that I get from the site, which is much different than the IBJJF, which, which is a private relationship between two private individuals and companies. Right. So, yeah, I, I think in a, in a large way, it actually allows us to see, oh, oh, and by the way, one of the things that, that I, you know, was having a conversation with, with one of these, um, you know, like women's jiu-jitsu groups mm-hmm. is that with, with the IBJJF, if you have like a toxic black belt, let's say that's causing a bunch of problems there, you know, with, with the students, I'm sure you, people have heard about some of those. Um, there, there's no way for you to meaningfully approach that in the community at all. And, and realistically, right. but, but on belt checker, if there's a really big problem, or if you've gone to somebody's school and there's a huge issue and it's big enough for you to think you have to do something, you can go on there and, and you could say, Hey, I, I don't think that this is um, I, you know, I don't think this person deserves their black belt. They're a bad, a, a bad jujitsu leader, whatever, whatever your metric is. And you can let people know about those kind of things, mm-hmm. just like you would for any other product mm-hmm. you buy on the day to day. Right. Um, you yeah. cannot do that with the, with the IBJJF. I don't even know how I would go approach the IBJJF and be like, I think you guys validated this person incorrectly or something. I, I don't even think there's a mechanism for that. I don't think so. No, no like what, what if, uh, if you get the certificate from them, you buy the certificate, you put it on the wall, then, I mean, they're not going to come and take it down if you, like, rape someone. Or what do I know? No, that, yeah, exactly. And that's and that's kind of the problem, right? Is that once, yeah. you, once you've been verified, then that's just it. And then you wait a few years and you get your, your, your first stripe and your second stripe and your third stripe. And as long as you just keep pitching them money every year, you get all your right. stripes all the way up to whatever belt you finally quit training at. Right. And that's and this that, is an interesting thing that I think maybe is not well known because it's kind of uh, not very transparent, the, the, the whole IBJJF verification thing. But there are two separate things. One is you can one is you can be a member of IBJJF, which costs you like was it like 40 dollars a year, which is what you need to compete. Right. And for that, you right. need the signature of someone uh, up in the hierarchy, whatever, like it has to be a black belt or a black belt second degree or whatever the system is at the moment. And that will verify your belt. Right, so you can compete, uh, let's say some some kind of level. But then they have a completely separate thing, which is black belt certification, which all they sell is just a piece of paper, really. Like you you send them some money, you have to go do like a first aid course, and you have to do the ret- uh, referee course, and you pay them four hundred dollars, and uh, and then they will say, okay, that's fine. This guy is. Oh yeah, if, if you're in the U.S., you need to do a background check, and they will say, okay, you are an IBJJF verified black belt. And since they're like a big organization, people see that as some kind of like proper certification or like something they can trust, right? But it's really based only on money. And then it gets interesting because what's the worst thing you can do in jujitsu? Like the two worst things you can do for this illusion of, of belt hierarchy that we all kind of support is buying belt ranks or <laughs> promote, promoting yourself. Those are literally the two worst things you could possibly do. If you want to burn down Reddit one day, you just say you promoted yourself or you bought a, you paid someone to promote you, right? That would literally be like, that's 100% going to go to top of Reddit that day. Um, but this is exactly, exactly what you can do with the IBJJF as a black belt. 
you can go, I can go right now if I don't have an instructor, uh, not right now, maybe a few weeks ago. Uh, if I don't have an instructor, I don't need that. I don't need anyone to sign it off as long as I have been, I have, I'm a black belt member of IBJJF, they will, uh, with payment, send me a certificate that I am, oh shit, cat's fighting, uh, that I am a certain black belt degree based purely on time. Right? And how long I've been a black belt. So they will just say, okay, Christian signed up uh, seven years ago. He and he's been paying every, every year. So you give us four hundred dollars. We're gonna uh, and you and you pay for a referee course. We're gonna send you a certificate. And we're gonna prove that you are now a second degree black belt. And you can tell the world you're second degree black belt. And that is verified. Right? That is me promoting myself through paying Brazilians or something. I don't know. Paying someone for that promotion. That's that's it. And I don't need anyone to sign off of that form. They will do it based purely on time, but only the time I've been paying them. Not like the time I've actually been a black belt, because that's that's not relevant here. And right? it's only like how long have I been a certified black belt by paying them. Um, so that's really interesting that that you can actually self-promote with money through the IBJJF. They offer that, and um, but that's the worst thing you can do, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly what's happening. And, and what's also interesting to further your point, so if you're a black belt, you could compete at black belt at the IBJJF, but not be an IBJJF recognized black belt, right? Correct. Yes. And you pay, your, you pay your 400 bucks, you go to your referee class, whatever. Right. Now, now, here's the weird thing to me. Now, the school you teach at also has to be registered. Mm-hmm. So if you go on their website, you can see under the school section where it says join us. And it and it contact it, it has all the information that you contact them about about how to become uh, an actual school um, registered on the IBJJF's website, and then you got to pay mm-hmm. more money for that. By the way, yeah. by the yeah. way, um, and then um, I just want to read you part of what it says here because I just pulled it up just to be sure. It says, as a requirement, the responsible professor must be a black belt and with a current valid membership ID card from the IBJJF. If you are a black belt not yet a member or have an outdated membership ID card, you need to request to renew your membership. Your academy registration should be renewed every time you make a change to the academy registration, um, such as adding new teams, adding new professors, academy address, name, etc. And only academies that have been registered and renewed for the current year will be will be listed on the ibjjf.org forward slash forward slash registered. And then your affiliation has to be registered, too. Right. So so there's it's a a beautiful multi-level marketing uh, business. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like I could go on here right now and because I'm all of these things they ask for, I could register my team. They're not going to come down or register my academy. They're not going to come down and see anything other than that I paid them money. Right. Yeah, but I think one thing that's really interesting about jujitsu, the belt system or whatever we we do, is that it's it's basically two completely separate ranking systems that exist. One is the colored belts which is based purely on, not purely, but it's based on like some, some sort of like a criteria from each instructor, but in general, it's based on performance. Like you need to perform, or at least you compare with someone competing or something like that. So we have a belt, color belt system that's based on performance. But the moment you reach black belt, we go straight into something that's, that's worse than the worst fucking traditional martial arts ninjutsu belt, where it's based purely on time and time and keeping a relationship with someone. Right. Uh, it, it could be another black belt who will give you these these degrees based on time, 
or it could be IBJJF, but you need that relationship to get it. But it has nothing to do with your skills. You can probably even just like fucking not even train. You know? It's not like IBJJF is going to check if you're training or not. And, and uh, it's just based on time. So the older you get, the, the, the more degrees you get. And you get, definitely get worse as you get older. Jiu-Jitsu, I can attest to that. Um, but that's it. And even, and, and we, we talked, we, but you know, Jiu-Jitsu is like, oh, this is all cool. Belt system is real. You know, it's based on, okay, I can actually do things if I'm a black belt. Um, and it's not like karate or something. But you know what? In karate, if you want to do like a fifth dan something, you need to do some kind of kata that's really difficult if you're 50 years old. You know, <laughs> or in, in ninjutsu, you, you need to dodge a sword with your with your eyes closed. You know, to get a to get a fifth dan. In in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you just need to stay alive. That's literally it. That's it. That's all you have to do. And oh no, there's, up, there's one and, more requirement. <laughs> and you have to suck up. You have to suck up to one to one person. Stay friends with this guy. Healthy or not relationship or IBJJF, stay friends with them. Right? That's it. Yeah, that's kind of weird. That's why I think that the degrees are such bullshit. You know? it's, I, oh, I don't support it. If you miss a year of not paying the IBJJF, then in order to get your next rank, you have to make up for that by paying them a little bit longer. Yes. So, yes, of course. so you, you better make sure you keep your payments active. Right. But this is why I think it was so, I knew it was kind of controversial thing. But I also think it's, a, it's true, uh, is that belt checker, if the community approves that you were a black belt at a certain date, there's nothing wrong with that you claim, or whatever you want to call it, X number of degrees based on the time you've been a black belt. But this is kind of controversial because there's no relationship involved with anyone, really. Not even the IBJJF. Usually people will approve if the relationship is with the IBJJF based on paying money, because for some reason that's, that's cool, that's authentic. But not if it's the community agreeing that this person has been a black belt for X number of years. I'm just going back to the beach to pick up my shoes before it gets completely dark. Yeah, and that's that's really weird, right? But because in the end, what people are saying is you need to go register through the IBJJF so that right. we know you've been independently verified by an external source. But but yeah. the fact is is they're not doing that. But then nope. you offer to do the exact same thing for real. And and people lose their fucking minds because they've been told, <laughs> they've been they've been conditioned to believe that the only source of validity is the IBJJF, yeah. uh, because because that's how the IBJJF makes their money and that, that's what they want you to believe. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's a direct challenge to their business model, if not. It's interesting, at least, you know. And I think it, I think personally, I really like to try and uh, think about these like common perceptions about things, and then. I think it's healthy to take a step back sometimes and see see things for what it is, like let's say belt verification or even, you know, like affiliations. What is it? It's just selling social recognition, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, we gotta see it for what it is. And and it says here one of the things you have at the bottom of your of your talking points is Christian promotes everyone he comes across. <laughs> People legitimately think that. As I said in another interview, it's not like I'm the fucking white Oprah Winfrey of jiu-jitsu just walking around at the open mat of the camps and just throwing bells left and right. You know, like, you get a belt, you get a belt. Well, kind of the crazy thing is, is having been a part of a lot of affiliations, most of them do promote based on time. Yes. So, so they really are kind of just promoting everybody and nobody cares about that. Mm-hmm. And, and then having, you know, also been a part of the jiu-jitsu globetrotters, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Globetrotters, that's just not true. I mean, you you literally have a council of people that vote 
on if people should get promoted or not, all of which have no financial stake in the person getting promoted or not promoted, right. uh, that, that are kind of free and, and not ostracized for giving their honest opinion. I've never seen somebody give a positive or negative opinion and then be, you know, like talked down on for giving that or told they have to change their mind. Right. So, so you literally have, you know, like I remember a while back, like somebody came up for vote and, you know, it, it, like what usually happens actually, especially for the, for the higher belts, there's a few people or a large number of people, depending on the person that don't want that, that don't think they deserve that belt. And then that's what right. it is. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, I, I, I think it's mm. much harder to get promoted by the Globetrotters as an organization than it is to get promoted by most affiliations. I think also a bit of statistics is is, uh, is good to bring up because I did kind of a count and I think the last year where we did 12 camps for 1,800 people, I think we had five belt promotions. It's not like it's not like something that we just do like 50 promotions at every camp for anyone who signs up and wants a promotion. But of course, this is something that since we all agree on this belt hierarchy to be real, we all have to kind of defend it. So if there's something that that you know makes it not makes it look fake or something people have to be upset about it you know? it's like self-promotion or buying belts or anything that that kind of breaks the illusion that this is real so so if they hear about this and they imagine that oh all you have to do is just sign up for camp and go talk to christian he's going to promote you right away then they have to be kind of upset about this right it's like we all have to agree that money is real otherwise it's not really worth anything right? it's the same thing right right but i mean yeah, personally I, I, what's that as I said, and, and what's strange is the reality of the whole situation is, is kind of the exact opposite, right? That you're actually paying your affiliation to promote you in a certain amount of time. Right. And then with the Jiu-Jitsu Globetrotters, they, they're not held to that same standard because you're not paying people for anything. And it is solely based on people's opinion of your level. And then for some reason, that's a problem. <laughs> well, everything is a problem, apparently. But I would say that that I, I, I personally, I try to get as least involved in belt promotions as I possibly can in my, in my life in general. I think for my own students in my own gym, I kind of do it because they're my, I mean, <laughs> I'm the only one here, you know, but it's pretty, it's pretty rare, like maybe once a year, every second year or something. Um, but at camps, I try to stay out of it as much as possible. And um, so what we do is, is as, as you mentioned, we, it's, it's a vote, you know, like if there's someone, oh, here's a blue belt. We know him for a while, a few camps. He doesn't have anyone to train with. He's like, uh, you know, and he's like, maybe he, he, he said, okay, I don't have any structure. Can you guys help me out? Blah, blah, blah. The thing, all I do is I just make a, we have a group with all the instructors at the camp. And I say, everyone roll with this guy during the week and tell me what you think. And I don't do it. I stay out of it. My vote is not involved in it. And then it's just by popular vote. And if someone says no, it's a no. That's pretty much it. But I think from and, and I think that's really healthy because it it avoids creating that relationship between two people where one person really wants something from the other person, which is very common in, in this kind of hierarchy business of selling social recognition is that you will stay with someone who's an absolute douchebag and suck up to him it, it just because you want something. It doesn't necessarily be, have to be an unhealthy relationship, but you see that it could also be very healthy. But I think at least for me from a personal perspective i don't want those relationships with people i, I don't want i don't want friendships where where one part wants something really bad from the other part i think that's not healthy i don't think you can build a true honest relationship with anyone based on that really and that's also what you see with uh, most people break out and make their own affiliation or gym or whatever once they get the black belt because then they're kind of free right 
of course, then they need the degrees, which is another story. But <laughs> for me, for me, for me, for a person, I just have to wait until I get the second degree. Then I can finally break out. I don't have to be friends with this person anymore. Um, well, until the IBJJF changes their requirements again. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, for me personally, I really don't. I, as I said, uh, I just did another interview where I touched this subject a little bit. But the nightmare scenario for me at camps is that I show up at the camps and there's like constantly 25 guys trying to buy me lunch all the time. You know, that would be horrible. I, I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to relax. You know, it's it's a holiday. You know, it's also my holiday. I just want to hang out with friends. I don't want people to, you know, hey, meet my sister. You know, like. <laughs> I don't think that's a healthy relationship because then who knows if they actually want to hang out or not. You know, I don't know that. Not until I give them second degree black belt. Then we'll, then the truth is going to come out. Then the cards come on the table. So, uh, but that's an interesting <laughs> thing. So, so some people, at least on the internet, have this illusion that, that I will just promote anyone. And it's actually the opposite. I promote no one. I, I don't promote anyone. I stay far away from that. All right. Do we have anything else on the list? What's up? Uh, let's getting, see. Getting, getting dark. Getting dark. Um, curfew. I'm trying to see. We kind of covered a little bit of each of these. Let me see. Well, I, I think that we can also maybe talk for a minute about BJJ Globetrotters is not a real affiliation. Yeah, that's an interesting one. What is an affiliation? No, wait. I have, I have a different angle. What do you want from an affiliation? What is it that you that people want from an affiliation? Access to training, training partners, social recognition, belt promotions. Like what else is there? Technique, maybe you know you can get technique anywhere. But what exactly do you right. want? Unless unless it's like a proper business franchise that that gives you like a proper business model and stuff you can use, like McDonald's or something. But what else do you really want from an affiliation? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, especially from the student perspective, that that is what they want, right? Um, right. Like all, all those things you listed. And so. And that's exactly what Globetrotters can provide. Except the only thing there is not, which is really what people usually really want, is that relationship with one entity where they can get something from that person, right? And they can get social recognition and they can kind of put this person's stamp on their back. And they feel comfortable. Now they're part of something. They have a ladder to climb in the monkey hierarchy. That's that you cannot really get that from Globetrotters. But no one will, will admit that's what they that's what they they get from an affiliation, because. Uh, but but really, you can get all the things that you will say that you want, right? Which is just oh, I want training. I want a network. I want uh, to be able to go to some other gyms and train with them. And I want like quality instructors, you know, all that stuff. But let's say uh, one thing that's an interesting thought experiment. <clears throat> would anyone pay for an affiliation and all the stuff that you do now, like you can get all that shit, but there's no belt promotion. Would anyone hmm. ever pay for an affiliation? I don't think so, to be honest. That is why well, nobody, I, I mean, maybe if you, but that, that's, that's, this is why it doesn't exist in MMA and Thai boxing and whatever. And, and this is also, I think, touches on a little bit of a topic you we, we, we talked about before, which was the sometimes the toxic nature of the of the mentality in jujitsu. And so you end up with a with kind of a bad situation, I think. I'm gonna give you an example. In, in the town I live in, there's a school here and one of their main advertising things, they in fact have this printed on their t-shirts, is that their their owner, or maybe not their owner, but their instructor is from Brazil. 
Right. So, so their entire main point is that this is straight from the source. I'm from Brazil, so you know you can believe me. But, right. But this is an interesting selling point because now, if you look at the idea of affiliations, um, if if that's what makes you credible, if that gives you this value, if people don't disvalue your affiliation that people could become a part of and get all those same benefits, then these other black belts can't use theirs for marketing as well, and they're just paying money into something that isn't actually beneficial to them. Right. So instead, they'll go and say, oh, well, all of my students know better than to believe this McDojo crap. But they're actually doing the McDojo stuff that they're claiming other people do. And, and I've seen this recently with the with the addition, you know, um, like you talk about promoting yourself or making stuff up. I don't know if you've right. seen how many schools have added a belt between white and blue belt. Right. Yeah, that's I've seen that a few times. So, so I, one of the schools here, uh, somebody posted a, uh, a thing about a school that was giving children black belts or something in jujitsu, but then right. once they became adults, they had to go back to blue belts or whatever the case was. And, and so they're, they're on there and they're like, this is some big dojo stuff and this is only used to make money and this is devaluing the art, blah, 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 blah. So then I comment and I'm like, man, doesn't your school give out a new belt you just made up between white and blue belt? And isn't that kind of the same idea that you're just adding new belt in, charging people $50 for the belt, $200 for the belt testing fee, and then it's like a way to keep members? And they're like, no, uh, that's not it. And then they just go and like off on this weird thing of this like cognitive dissonance of like, that's not the same, that's not the same. But but it really is, right? Right. The difference is that the color is not black. Right. Black is black is the mystery color, you know. That's that's right. the ultimate thing that we all strive for in life, so we can become life coaches. But but the idea is too is like well if you promote these kids to black belt it devalues other people's black belts. So so if you have other affiliations that are that are verifying other people are also. Um, you know, have these networks of training partners and things like that. Well, that devalues my affiliation implicitly. Mm. That's what people think. And right. so now they have to actively, you know, like I said, the Bloods and Crips, they have to attack you and your product in order to strengthen their position versus right. like looking at it like the mafia and saying, you know, we, we all train jujitsu. That's what we're actually here for. And the reality of the situation is there's more kids doing soccer in my city right now and if all of those kids train jiu-jitsu, we wouldn't have enough jiu-jitsu schools to put them all in. Right. It, it's not, you know, us trying to steal students from each other that's going to get us where we want to be. But it's, in fact, us just reaching more of these kids and showing them that this is a good a good sport for people and kind of spreading that knowledge. But instead of doing that, we're arguing about what a real affiliation is and all this other mm. stuff. And, and, and that's where people seem to think they're going to value their school. It's not by actually having a good product. It's by sitting on your product. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's right. All right. Well, I think we got through all, almost all of it on the list. And it's also completely dark now, and uh, I'm probably not allowed to be outside. So maybe I should start walking home. Okay. Awesome. It was good talking to you. <laughs> maybe we should do another one, just talk about Belt Checker. There's so much to talk about there. I'm just not sure if it fits in the Globetrotters podcast thing, but... Yeah, we could do that if you want to maybe meet up sometime next week. Yeah, let's let's look at it. I'm thinking of doing these walk, afternoon walks and calling people and doing podcast episodes like daily or something. I, there's nothing else to do. As I say, the, the jiu-jitsu travel business is kind of quiet these days. So Yeah, I have a lot of free time as well. Like I said, uh, we're trying to use this to kind of build up our gym and our business model here. So when we do open, we have an even better product. So. Yeah, that's, that's the way to do it. 
right, Ben, yeah. thank you so much for calling in. And, um, and um, yeah, anything you want to add? Anything you no. want to sell? Do you want to promote someone? Or can, can people no. just call you up and get promoted? Yeah, I mean, if you want to. Although I'm not a ninth degree black belt, so I don't know if the IBJJF will agree with my opinion. So. Uh, yeah, right. That's a shame. All right, man. Uh, thanks for the talk, and uh, yeah. we'll stay in touch, man. Right? Yeah, see you soon. All right, see you, bye. All right, so that was uh, the interview of the day, the um, quarantine episode, the quarantine special of the podcast. Um, I am going to walk back home, and it is completely dark, so it's probably also for the better to to uh, call it a day on this. Um, I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm going to try to do a few more because I have nothing else to do, and um, I hope you... Uh, you're not too bored if you're home in isolation or whatever situation you're in, but at least we can make a few podcasts. So let's see what can come out of that. Um, I have a few people lined up that I want to call uh, and talk to. We'll see, uh, see if we can get make a few good episodes. Um, as usual, if you want to listen to some of the older episodes, you just go to bdjglobetrotters.com slash podcast. And if you want to see anything else about what BGA Club Charters is all about. Just go to our website, bgjclubcharters.com. Uh, I just redesigned it. It crashed doing the whole IBJJF thing because there's too much traffic. So I had to redesign the entire website. Um, so it's brand new and looking very nice. So if you want to check that out, it's just bgjclubcharters.com. Okay, I'm almost back home and uh, I'll find someone else to call tomorrow or something, make another episode. Stay safe out there. Don't, don't train. And uh, we'll get through this together.